Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Obviously, it's the broader political culture we live in creates that alienation as well like it's not just the the middle class drug users you know some of these have been forgotten about for generations and then kids grow up alienated totally from society and of course they end up adopting these values because that's the values they're presented with if we don't give people a chance to get out and get well we certainly shouldn't be looking down on those communities i'm nicola talent and you're listening to crime world a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. A new Fly on the Wall series following Gardaí on the beat in one of the country's most troubled neighbourhoods is giving viewers a window into ground zero of the drug crisis. Children groomed by drug gangs, living in stash houses and watching as their parents and grandparents are arrested for open dealing all features on the show, which is an honest and a brutal portrayal of life in crime black spots forgotten by politicians and by progress. Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald and the Sunday World's features editor, Dara Keeney, on The Guards, a gritty new Virgin Media series, which is an eye-opener to what it's like policing the lawless. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Gentlemen, Dara, good day to you. Take the floor. You want to? uh, Well, I just, I just need to know: Am I here for my expertise in TV opinion, or because I live in the K District as the token K District member of staff? Well, actually, for very much for both reasons. Oh, thank you. Yes, Um, am I like the token K here now? Just yeah, What's it really like? Do people ask that? The front line out Mm. in Blanchardstown, Vinglas, and Cabra. Right. Yeah, it's, so it's... What's it like? It's idyllic. <laughs> These are pockets, right? Yeah. It gets a bad rep, the K yeah, District yeah. does, especially after this TV show, no doubt about it. All the neighbours were up in arms because we're, we're very proud of our houses and our property and our our road and there's loads of people, really nice people. It does get a bit of a bad rep. You get yeah. more complaints about geography, you know. So I was in, going in to the... say to you, when, when Sean Little was shot dead yeah. in... Um, you know, uh, 2019, I think it was. And there was a spate of violence. It was horrific, actually, what yeah. had happened. They yeah. were so young and all the rest of it. And he was lured basically up to a roadway in Balbriggan. 
and he was shot beside the car and he'd no bulletproof vessel and so it was clear he was lured and all the rest of it. So there was a lot of detail and stuff to talk about and, you know, it sort of delved back into very young people working in drug gangs and the tragedy of how their lives... Yeah. And this woman mm. absolutely tormented me. I was on RTE and various things that morning and it was really busy and we were getting stuff up on the website and everything. And this woman had me tormented and I eventually rang her back and she told me that the townland that he'd been shot in wasn't actually Balbriggan and that sure. people in Balbriggan were really, really annoyed by hearing this and that the townland was somewhere else. Now, usually I ne I don't lose my cool <laughs> people. Actually, believe it or not, I don't. And I lost it with her and I just said, do you know what? You are a very lucky person that that is what you have to worry about on this day. <laughs> you have a good point there, to be honest. You know? Yeah. So, I'm here to defend the district. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we're going to actually having pretty much slated the Gilligan show last week and we don't mean to turn this into a TV review show but we are all have been on the homework of watching The Guards which was previously called The K I think Inside the Inside K Inside the K Inside the K It's on Virgin Media It is produced and directed by Shauna Kyo of Empire Elite um, I know this has taken a long time to make I think it is a phenomenal piece of television to start with, how it's made, the intimacy we have as a viewer with the guards who are uh, sort of we're fly on the wall with these with the guards while they're out on the beat, while they're actually doing their ordinary day and night's work and the kind of situations they're coming up with. We're getting a little bit of an idea of what their personalities are like. We're getting a little bit of an idea of their good days, their bad days, how they're handling everything. They're, the filming is amazing. The access is incredible and it is such an eye opener to us about what the guards are actually doing out it, on the beach. It really is. I mean, the, one of the first things you see is just the level of verbal abuse. Yeah. It's quite incredible and how difficult that must be. Um, but it, like it's a real departure for the guards because they did always have sort of uh, give media access at some stage, but it was really, really heavily stage managed, really co controlled and very um, kind of PR driven. But this is a totally different thing. And I think it is really an excellent program. It's 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 I think it's incredibly made and so thought about and every little scene is thought of. And I imagine that to create it, there was probably tens or hundreds of hours yeah. of footage and this is what it's been whittled down to. They're quite clearly saying though this has been filmed over three years. Yeah. If you know both episodes yeah. They've, yeah. they've pressed that because and you can see some of the footage is it's kind of long con editing they've been doing. So they have been working on it for a long time, obviously. But I'm delighted that both of you like it because I was watching it. And um, thanks for the homework on this one, by the way. The last homework was awful, yeah. if you remember. Um, Andrew yeah. Tate podcast. <laughs> yes, you missed that, Niall. Never. Um, so I, was, I enjoyed I enjoyed the homework this time. And I was watching it the whole time wondering, I wonder will Niall and Nick actually like it as much as well, me because I'm getting an insight into a world that is completely alien to me. You guys have some time of operating in the world of crime and so you would have more of an idea of what cops get up to on a daily basis. So I was actually watching this going, I wonder will you guys actually find this as, mm -hmm. as interesting and as brilliantly done as I did. I was sitting there watching this going, this is one of the best TV shows in years on Irish TV. Well, it's, it doesn't sanitise the guards either. Like, it's not that, it, you know, they, you do obviously have a sympathy for them and it's told from their perspective, like, that's natural. 
but it's not some sort of whitewash uh, of 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 the Gardaí activity either, or really. I think that is definitely down to the producer and the yeah, director, Shona Kyo, and how she's gone about this. And it's a really honest portrait of something. And yeah. as I say, sometimes you get an idea a little bit about the personality of some of yep. the guards involved. Now we have Selena Proudfoot, Thelma Waters, Dwayne O'Brien, Johnny Santry, Damian Mangan, who's a D sergeant, Siobhan Tolan, a detective, Chief Superintendent Finbar Murphy are all interviewed talking as well. They're yeah. talking heads on it, but they're also out in the beat, they all are. except the Chief Super. He doesn't seem to no. leave the office. But the others are all out in the beat. They're in conferences and they're also then sat in a darkened room and kind of almost asked to reflect and to observe and to tell us what is going on around all this activity you that can, we're You seeing. can see, because we, you know, when we had some uh, cameraman following us for the, the Regency mm. uh, trial the last couple of days. Goodness, what's on that? But you, exactly, because you can see that with them. It's not, they're not, they may probably... Like anybody in those circumstances, start off being guarded. Yeah, you start not. off with the PR. Oh, no, you yeah, but they're not. Yeah, they're, <laughs> and so it does capture that. So they're obviously being followed for a hugely long period of time because they're not. They're 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 very honest, and you can see them. Um, they you know, so are not conscious of the camera. No, no, no. And again, for somebody to do that for a director, for a yeah, producer yeah. to come on and to actually mm. make the subjects the subjects comfortable enough to be dealing with that you're not sort of watching or you're not yeah. aware which side they're on. I mean, and they do have, like it was in, like they tackled some, look, there's people are going to watch it and have a different perspective absolutely on the guards and that's fair enough. But they did tackle some of the issues. Like I thought there was a good bit in the second episode that hasn't been aired yet. Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week um, about stop and search where they're talking yeah. about yeah. kids. Yeah, and and then there's also a woman being stopped uh, oh, yeah. in a car. So don't be swinging. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so that's <laughs> so that's um, it, like they're not they are tackling some of that controversy of of you know. But that, that was a really that, interesting scene to leave in. Left it I in. thought. Yeah, that's, I was yeah. watching that going of all the hours of footage they have. They actually left in. It's not a mistake, but it's just it didn't lead to anything. Mm. And it was the cops explaining, look, we have to do this. You got well. It's, it's, a, it's a, a bad, it's a better controversy because that's the big one of the big controversies worldwide to do with police. Certainly to do with um, some of the the, the issues in in you in the US yeah. and in the UK. So it was just interesting to see it from that perspective where they're sort of explaining why they stop stop random people, why they pick certain people. It was just, so what I mean is like... It, it, just what had happened, just to explain for anyone yeah. who hasn't seen it, um, two cars came up alongside one another in opposite directions and the drivers put down their windows and chatted in the way it would happen anywhere in any community. But in this particular area, a lot of of the drug dealing the guards have seen and the kind of the organized criminals and they're maybe having a conversation, stuff that they need to be on top of happens in this way. So they happened upon this and they started to ask a lady where she was going and what her business was. And she got really, really upset. And, and, no, and genuinely reason, upset. I genuinely. And the yeah. reason she got upset was that she was living in a community. She was working really hard to pay for everything. She was surrounded by a lot of this criminality and these people who are out drug dealing and who are, you know, in fancy cars and maybe have you know, a nicer front drive than she does because it's drug money. And she was just really upset. And you could see that it was like, um, you know, I'm sure it had built up in her 
that she had yeah. been stopped a few times. Maybe her children had been stopped and asked <clears> what they're doing. And it builds up a resentment in the police. Then you saw how the police handled yeah. it. And the way they handled it was they got down and very gently explained to her, listen, we have to do this. We're kind of doing it. Yeah, I job. mean, I thought they handled it well yeah, also. Yeah, but it's a, like it's the fact is that he addressed this issue, which yeah. is which is are they entitled to stop? You know, these are obviously guards on the beat, so they don't make those decisions. Politicians make those decisions and then senior guardy mm. roll it down. But you just saw that perspective. And there was another, obviously, in the second episode, it concentrates a lot on cannabis as well. Yeah. Mm. And people, you know, casually using cannabis and maybe small, relatively small amounts of cannabis. And they tackle that head on as well, yeah. because a lot of the guards give their perspective, some of which is very much against uh, sort of legalization or normalization of cannabis, which people have strong views. And that's, I don't personally know what is right or wrong there in terms of what what way we should go. But it's just interesting to see them tackle those controversial issues. And, and it's in, not in their in their job. In their they perspective. Are there to, you know, uphold the laws and it's a black and white issue for them. Yeah. It is illegal. It is a drug that yeah. is illegal in this country. And what they're finding more and more is these young kids and even adults in yeah. fact in some cases a grandfather yeah. throws a bit of green at them. Yeah. But they're smoking them in front of them while yeah. they're actually, while yeah. they're trying to talk to them about what they're doing that might be illegal. They're actually smoking drugs, blowing it into their faces. Yeah. yeah. And by, by not even, uh, by not tackling it from the top with big, you know, bringing on talking heads, mm. professors of this, yes. psychiatrists, this, you know, you actually see the, the contradictions and the, the real complications of that, that w the war on drugs on that real level where, you know, um, but they're also obviously, it, it, it. so I thought that was really good. And obviously then they're in the first episode, which people may have seen, it really focuses in on, on, Probably it's probably three real crimes, is it? There's the the the, the video of the, the young teenager being intimidated after being accused of making a statement, which is really, I thought, shocking. Scary. It Rash. really, really cold, is yeah. that that's horrific. It brings it home, doesn't it? There's a machete attack, um, which is right outside Fingless yeah, the station, yeah, from what I remember. Yeah. So and that's obviously linked to it's disgusting. Yeah. One of those sort of ongoing feuds. And then there's obviously the shooting of Lee Boylan, which we've written, which, you know, obviously we had a story about it in the Sunday World ahead of it, where you see there's a guy hired, a guy called Alan Graham, who's serving serving uh, a long prison sentence now for his role in it. He was a, a well-known drug dealer from Limerick. He had serious convictions for drug dealing in the past, a decade ago. He's obviously been brought in to do this shooting um, and it's just amazing. You see him going and having a pint Changing in the aftermath. And then sort of yeah, high-fiving like he, people and yeah, he's, he's done his job. He's the getaway driver. Yeah. He's yeah. done for yeah. kind of a complicated charge of, yeah. uh, you know, carrying, basically carrying out a, a shooting on behalf of, of yeah. a criminal gang. So that's the real, uh, that's really dramatic because you see amazing it's happening to it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, like, they're all very likable characters in it, and they are characters. I'm talking about, you know, Selena Proudfoot, Dwayne O'Brien, Damian Mangan. All of them are 
very real. And I think a lot of the guards, they tend to be sometimes very stiff yeah. in their dealings with members of the public and with anybody. Yeah. Um, they're kind of like operating on an awful lot of rules. And certainly with the media, they sometimes tend to be a little bit nervous to be seen speaking to anybody from the media in case they're accused of passing on information or whatever. But you see them and they're very likable, human, totally human yeah. characters who are feeling sorry for the people that they're That's arresting. The that, yeah. I think they find the the criminals almost, they're being nice to them. They're giving them a chance yeah. out. They're, they're almost getting down to their level. You can see them trying their best with them. As long as the, the abuse doesn't come out and you can see then when when it does get when it heats up a little bit and there's spitting or there's there's verbal abuse sometimes it's physical you can see then they rally together and it gets tough but until yeah. then they are trying their best you kind of get that impression by it and it yeah. doesn't look like it's a contrived PR stunt certainly the way no definitely not and I think and you'd probably have to go about it that way yeah you, I, they're, they're constantly trying to bring the situa situation down a level stop yeah. everybody shouting they're trying to I mean there's one scene in the second episode that they have gone to a house and for me this was there was a couple of standouts but for me this was one of them and the gentleman that is they're, they're, they're speaking to is a grandfather yeah. and his grandkid is there and the house is being used as a you know a drug dealing property and there's kids in the house and the kids are all standing outside the grandfather's yeah. roaring and shouting and it's Selena Proudfoot in this case is trying to kind of just bring the situation down a level. She doesn't want, she says, the kids to remember her as being the shouty one because yeah. she's trying to um, give them a good impression of the police. Yeah. And they go in and they get them their coats because they're cold sitting that's outside. Right, yeah. But you can only feel so sorry for the poor kids. And that's probably a normal scenario in their lives. I think it is. And I think there's another interesting bit where there's there's, there's a mother who's who's interacting with the guards because of her son. And I felt quite sorry for the mother because, you know, yeah. the son is, I, was, I don't know if they mentioned his age, but he looks like he's a teenager, probably mid-teens, a bit older. And well, some of the guards are saying, oh, the parents should be telling, you know, keeping control of the kids. And I'm look, looking and thinking, what can, what can that mother do to a child of that age? But it's even that is un, it's unguarded, no pun intended, where the, the, the guards are obviously saying, the parents should just tell them what to do and the kids should do it. The mother saying, "What can I do? Like I'm doing my best. I'm gonna take responsibility." And it just shows you, it's it's uh, like it's really really complicated these problems. And I think that's what you could, I come away with. Like it is so complicated. So what? complicated, and ultimately, what you come away with as well is really what the guards are saying. And I think Thelma Waters at one point mm. says, "You know, this has to be a multi-agency approach. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just the guards that can go no. out and deal with this." They're walking away from a situation. Someone's been arrested, maybe drugs have been seized, but they're leaving behind children living in yeah. a situation yeah. where their living room is being used as a crack den. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's not for the guards to take those kids out of that situation no. or to somehow reach into that family to try and help it. Um Do you remember the scene though when they um they raided the house at Christmas time and yeah. they were in the, the operations room beforehand? They got some intel about what was going on. They had identified all, um the three different drugs that were um, either being prepared or sold from the house, I can't remember. And they said we're bringing a fire extinguisher because the, the history of this house being raided is that they just chuck everything on the fire and the yeah. fire was running in the house 24-7, 365 yeah. days a year for, that, very for that for that purpose. And I thought it was really interesting that they, I think they said it in both episodes about uh, family gangs. Now these are not, this is not uh, the Kinnons in Dubai. Mm. These are really street street level drugs gangs and how... Um, 
you know, it's run as a family organization. And if you look back to the, even normalized to, for the child, it's normalized yeah. and they can rely on each other. They're not going to inform on their own family. They're not going to give evidence against their own family. And that's really how that street level drug dealing is able to operate. You have families and it goes through generations, grandfathers, fathers, and then sons all involved in the business. They speak about some women being involved yeah, in the yeah. business as well. And that's, you know, if you look at that, that that was magnified even with the burn organized crime group where you had, you know, the Burns, the cousins, Fat Freddie Thompson, other cousins, you know, like, you know, all the way down. And you just see that how difficult that is to police because like, how are they going to police a family? If totally. You know I mean? And a lot of the focus on the second episode is about grooming and yeah. the people, you know, the, the cops on the beat can see these kids, see how they're being used by the drug gangs, see how they're being lured into it. And I think it is um, Detective Sergeant Damien Mangan describes it as the lure of the street, mm. kind of no matter what they do or say, there's always that lure of the street for these kids. Um, Detective Siobhan Tolan handles a situation, which I'm sure is a very regular one as well, where an individual, they're called out to this house and the guy is on something yeah. that is clearly breathing making very heavily. Him, he's breathing very heavily, Acting, but I think agitated. the fear sort of of them and her, she's trying to talk him down or certainly get mm. him as far as the she police station. Yeah. She handled it so well, but she, this guy has taken something and I would imagine they're very afraid that he's going to get really violent. He obviously yeah. can go any which way. And a lot of these sort of new drugs, they don't really know what they are. They're having that kind of effect on people, on drug users and on poly drug users who'll take anything they can get their hands on. And she describes and talks about, you know, sort of as she's reflective on the situation, the situation is filmed and they're not that aware there's a camera there, I don't think. But she reflects on it afterwards and she says, you see the manpower it takes. Yeah, yeah there were so many involved. There were in so, and of course there were so many involved. Yeah, yeah. Because big, obviously big this was a, a big danger that somebody was going to get injured here. And this is a guy who's just taking drugs in his house. Yeah, it turned really quickly, that scenario. Sorry, Noel. Um, yeah. it, it, I, I thought it was under complete control at first and I thought she was doing brilliantly. And, and then he's kind of circled by about, it must be eight cops yeah. at that stage. And I remember thinking the first time I saw it going, that's a little bit heavy handed. I don't think they need that. And it, I was thinking to myself about guard resources and look at this, this has taken way too many. But then, and he was asking for prayers, do you remember for his yeah, mom who had passed younger, away yeah. and everything. And they were saying, yeah, we'll go back to the station, we'll pray. She was saying all the right things and kept him calm. But... Uh, he then flipped yeah. and that's what the drugs did and they knew that was, they could obviously sense that was coming. They've done this. Or it's happened before. Yeah, I'm watching this kind of going, there's way too many there. What yeah. may, and it, it doesn't, it's not a chicken and egg. It, it didn't instigate this fit by him. They knew it was coming and it was so difficult for them to get him in the van then afterwards. You could see why they, they, they rolled up so many police for that situation. But what I was amazed with is how quickly it went from what seems like... They'd be the worst in the world if your man d damaged himself in any way or hurt himself as well. You can of be course. guaranteed while he's under arrest or being taken in by them. I mean, that's the other problem. Yeah. I mean, it's kind I'm of so like careful. they're working under this situation where everyone's gone PC mad <laughs> and they're looking for too much, I think, out of them in a way. Every, I mean, how difficult is it to go out and about and do your business under those circumstances with people roaring and shouting at you, calling your names, keep your cool while you're being videoed by yeah. every goddamn person with a mobile phone who's nothing else to do? Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I do feel sympathy for them. However, you can go back in the good old days as well and see that guards used to go in and, and 
didn't cover themselves in glory in these situations. Well, I mean, that's an extreme. But I mean, I do think that they're operating under everything has to be signed, sealed, delivered. There's too much bureaucratic tape now at this stage. You see the kind of situations they're trying to deal with. And to be in your head, 75 million rules in case you, you, you... you know, I just. Well, think I was talking to one of um, one of the coaches down in the GA club last night because he's a cop, and I just said, "Did you watch the first episode?" He hadn't seen the second, obviously, and he says, "Yeah, I kind of skimmed through it, but it, it's 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 cherry picking moments in a working day. Everything else, obviously, wouldn't make great TV, but it's now got to the situation where every interaction with a member of the public has to be registered. It's not yeah. what we would know as paperwork traditionally. It's not on paper; it's all computerized, obviously. But every interaction has to be logged on mm. the system. So that's a lot of your job now. Quite a lot on And if you're high up, you have your 10 people in your, this is what he says, you've got 10 yeah. people in your team and each of those 10 people has 10 incidents. That's 100 incidents that this boss has to regulate to make sure it's it's logged in the system. Any yeah. interaction. I, mean, with we, I just think that's ridiculous. Well, we have spoke, I mean, and this is the real source of uh, frustration from guards that are working off the street level there. Um, and I think as well, that that's a, a cultural thing in within the policing. And what it probably stops is what you see, the human side of how guards interact with the people on the streets there. And that's probably the best policing that you see there mm-hmm. is where they take uh, human, you know, a human approach and are able to use their own intuition and their own knowledge uh, you know, so that bureaucracy stops that. Now, there's obviously a reason why bureaucracy has sprung up in police forces as well, and you can't ignore that. I mean, the other thing that really uh, stood out to me was there's there is huge money there, isn't there, for criminals? In at, even at that level, there's there's big wads of cash, cash going sure. on. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, somebody said, "I've only me few bob." <laughs> yeah. I, you know, what have you got? Do you want to give Five it up for research? There was seven thousand or something. Yeah, yeah, a few bob. So you can. There was s- a time that that would have been like maybe, maybe a few tenors in a yeah. biscuit tin for, yeah. a, for some woman in a house. Yeah, so that is, you can see that's a big attraction. I mean, these aren't people living in 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 leafy suburbs, and to have you know young lads being able to go around with access to that money, you can see the attraction. And the other thing I thought. That was quite stark in 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 the first episode, I think, is where they're talking about the availability of handguns. Obviously, like uh, Finglas has been the scene of a lot of shootings in recent times. But what they're saying is these, you know, these hang these guns are just available without. They're just available to everybody who can pay for them. Yeah, and I think that is and a huge problem. Quid. Yeah, you know, and that, they're, they're cheap. There's one there's one gun that keeps getting produced, the pistol, the old school pistol. Yeah. I've seen that in the, it looks like it should be in Bridgerton or something like that. But obviously someone has used it at some point. They just get their, as you say, get their hands on anything they can. And that wasn't and always the way in, in Ireland. Like, yeah. That wasn't always the way in Dublin when, it, particularly during the Troubles, there was, the you know, there weren't guns floating around. I mean, obviously... There's so much there were, more stuff coming in, you see, that there's so many more opportunities. I mean, we know from back, you know, quite a bit back that the guns were going coming in on the top of the drugs. Yeah. You know, the cherry on the pie, they were called. And um, yeah, I mean, there's so much more drugs being imported into this country. There's so many more people putting their hand in their pocket at the weekends and buying cocaine. Yeah. Because they're on a night out. Yeah. And quotes. that's what's funding all this that we're looking at. <clears throat> that's, I mean, it's this incredible cycle that seems to me almost like this blindness that we're going into this climate change and the whole problem with that. It's exactly the same thing. We're just doing, you know, we're just greedy for more and more drugs. Yeah. And this is making 
Uh, would you call the people living in these communities greedy for it? They're wearing snazzy runners. They're not really bettering themselves in any way. A lot of these kids that they show, and again, the filming is so beautifully done yeah. in this gritty fashion. They will often just, in a scenario when they obviously can't show the faces of the kids, they'll home in on the runners. And you see yeah. the Hugo Boss, you see those Nike, Yeezys those, well. whatever you call those Air Max things that are, you know, over 200 quid. Kids that don't have a job, that don't have anything, and they are wearing gear that is, you know. But like, anyway, agreed is just funding all this, but it's it's middle class society that doesn't have to live in these areas that is ultimately funding it. Mm. Because you can go out for your weekend, buy your bag of Coke, have a great night out and close the door in your leafy suburb and you don't have to deal with that outside your door. Mm. When you look at some of the footage in this programme, The Guards, it's quite sinister. It's dark at night and there's young boys on bicycles circling around situations and they're there in the shadows and you've no idea do they have a gun are they off their head on drugs are they going to use that are they going to point it at me they have no absolutely regard for for life they're at that age that they're being used and abused by drug gangs they're feeling powerful they're feeling they're part of something I mean it is really sinister I would absolutely hate to be bringing a family up around that I think I think it it is sinister. I mean, obviously, it's the broader political culture we live in creates that alienation as well. Like we, it's not just the the middle class drug users. You know, these people, these in some of these have been forgotten about for generations, and then, you know, kids grow up alienated totally from society, and of course, they adopt. You know, they end up adopting these values because that's the values they're presented with. So it is, look, it's, there's no. And a lot of addiction issues. And we do know that there is a huge problem in this country with addiction. And like when you look at a scene where there's a woman being arrested, I don't know exactly the context of it, but she's foul mouthed. Yeah. And she is upended on the bonnet of a car. Oh, yeah. The English lady. And she was English. She was kind of there. Someone was joking. A lady, Dara. (laughs) Woman. Lady, no, I a lady. It, that's as lady. far as I can. Well, I don't know what she identifies as. She but, was um, absolutely foul mouthed. Yeah, it was like an East Enders episode. They were joking. It was absolutely like. <clears throat> so you know, again, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I I caught the context of that, but there's a lot of people out in the it was street a different watching drug. this. I think Ma- Ma- Mangan was, was the probably. talking head, and he was talking about how they don't know what all the drugs are at this point. Yeah, and they're just What's willing to them? take whatever. They can. But this is an, you know, a woman of a certain age within a community yeah. being dragged onto the bonnet of a Garda car, spitting in the faces, calling them C words, everything. Mm-hmm. And the kids are that stopping their play to watch this. Yeah. And I mean, this is an older person that they probably don't look up to her. Any yeah. kid, no. But at the same time, it's a kind of a, a parental figure in their community. I mean... This is what they're aspiring to. Like, I mean, this is the the, the parental guidance that they see. The I mean, the the grown ups in their community this and is these. Yeah. This isn't this isn't a tearaway teen. This isn't a a twenty something drug addict who's fallen off. Like, I mean, she, she is absolutely frightening, I, like. And they're just the cops were taking such abuse in that scenario. There's, there was another one as well. I think 
I think um, Dwayne is his name. He he was being hurt. That's Dwayne O'Brien. Yeah, there was one scene where he was putting someone in the back of a van. It might have been her actually, and the abuse that was being hurled at him. I don't know how he doesn't say something back. It was right her, and she spat at him, and then she spat at the window just as her final. They did moment. just the level of patience that these mm. cops have to have. I'm sure, and, they lose their patience often. How maybe they you? do. Like, no, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't be human if you could go out into those situations, be spat at, yeah. and roared at, and called every name, and. Then, of course, you also have to deal with the probably the likelihood that she went through the revolving door and went in and straight back out and was right back doing the exact same possibly, thing the next yeah, day. Quite possibly. You know, so it's, it's... They do, actually. That was mentioned in episode two. They kind of refer a few times to knowing the people, the individuals. And, and yeah. I stopped that guy because three days ago I found a joint on him and, and a few weeks ago we found him with something else. So they, they do get to know the personalities. Mm. So, like, I mean... They, I'm sure, as you say, it's it's just a revolving door for and a lot of these really individuals. The, I mean, some of these people are unwell as well. Like they even that's that discussed was. mental health and addiction issues. But like, what do we do? Like, it's, this isn't the responsibility of the guards to get people treatment or into recovery or whatever it is. But the state doesn't help, you know, deal with doesn't make the resources available for these people that are unwell either. You know what I mean? So like it's not it's and the services are all working independently, I think is what yeah, was I mean being translated. Or, or, like should there be I mean should what, the services all be going into the same place at the same time and identifying the various what, health problems? I mean, what resources do we have to tackle addiction in mm. this country? Like very, very little. It's mostly well, done by some charity. Of the, some of the resources, like in particular the HSE and Tusla and all, you know what I mean? Some of the resources that are there a lot of people would say they're not being well used and they're not, you know. Oh, I like I don't doubt that, but I mean there you know, do we do we do enough for people that are that are in these conditions, you know? And I mean, what's our responsibility as a country towards, you know, the kids growing up there as we talk about, you know, if we don't give people a chance to to get out and get well, you know, we can't certainly shouldn't be looking down on those communities, there's just no way, you know. But like, who deserves the chance within it all? The the kind of repeat, constant offender, the person screaming and shouting in the face, the guards, the poor kids. Well, it's by. the kids that deserve the chance. Exactly. For sure. And They're the ones that deserve the and chance. What about the kids that have parents that are repeat offenders? They still deserve a chance. Do you know, I'm not saying there's a, there's no easy answer. Like, absolutely. Oh yeah, they not. do. That's a, but I yeah. mean, wh- wh- where are the so the guards are every scenario the guards are called out to and are going into. They're yeah. seeing. They're seeing problems are, are are issues that they can deal with because they're there yes, to uphold the law. Yeah. But they're also seeing other issues that they have to come away from that situation yeah. and leave behind them because exactly. the social workers aren't coming with them. The healthcare no. workers aren't coming with them. And there's people working in community services that would very much sort of, you know, champion the idea of all these services working exactly. together. Exactly. When you have a situation that somebody has been shot or injured or maybe beaten up. Yeah by a drug gang, you need the healthcare workers there at the bedside at that point when they're at their probably weakest and maybe well, at remember, their most Remember at the, at, the, at the heart of all of this, like Tusla, from their own words, are facing uh, an absolute crisis yeah. is what they are saying themselves. An ap- a chronic, chronic shortage of social workers, uh, chronic lack of ability to intervene for children in emergency circumstances. This is said by themselves, acknowledged by the government. So, I mean, I don't think you can, I know we're probably going off our TV review, but like, no, let's... because I was actually going to say, wouldn't it be wonderful if they would actually let somebody like Sean Akio, the producer and director, go in and do 
the work she does within their services yeah. so we could actually see. Instead, they are a very closed off agency. Yeah. Yourself and Eamon were talking yeah. about them recently yeah. and how they won't even answer your comment no. and, and actually have a very healthy legal department, yeah, they which do. seems to be uh, uh, very overworked with sending out legal gagging uh, yeah. letters to media or anybody who asks exactly. questions of them. Exactly. And I mean, look, I think in a funny way, like I think anybody watching the programme, the guards would show you the benefits of not having that type of policy because yeah. there's nobody could come away from that programme not thinking, you know, better of the guards than when they and went gaining in. Of course, a proper yeah. understanding. And the reason why, because you see them acting as, as people unguarded. They're saying stuff. I remember hearing one of the guards, I can't remember who it was, saying something about the parents thinking, oh God, she probably gets a little like like we do when somebody points out something you say in the podcast thinking yeah. oh maybe I shouldn't have said that yeah but uh, you know but it's those moments where you see the human side that give you a better perspective than some uh, than the old what was it the old uh, Garda program going on about vehicles oh Garda Patrol or whatever you called it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you yeah. think this would do more for Garda recruitment or do you think it would put people off though when you see how gritty it is well, I like tell that, you I, I wouldn't like being shed I could, don't know if I could hold being shouted yeah, at like that. You'd and I take your point. Actually, but I, I have somebody uh, younger, close to me, who wants to go into the guards, and I know that it would only encourage them more okay. because, and I know they'd be very good at those kind of situations okay. and scenarios. And I actually said to them, "You should watch this because it'll give you an actual proper understanding of what it is if you're really interested in going into it." Um, and I think that those, you have to be up for it. You have to be able for a little bit of that. Yeah. I don't think you can choose a career like the guards or probably like crime journalism if you're going to get easily offended, yeah. if you're going to be uh, off getting counselling if somebody emails you <laughs> something nasty. Do you know me, what I mean? I think there's some qualities you need to have to probably make you a good guard. Mm. And maybe recognizing that before you go into the career or whatever. And look, it's such a vast organization. There's good and bad and there's there people able. And there's all sorts of different roles you can sure, take in it. Not everyone has to go out into our desk jobs and on the beach. But yeah, I think you you have to have a kind of a mixture of of uh, enjoying those adrenaline moments yeah. and also the ability to sort of set it aside and not not let it. And I think probably what makes a good guard and what you see on the program is a decency and a and a bit of decency, bit of empathy, bit of empathy, a bit of decency, and kind of just a little bit of ability to see things from the wider perspective. Yeah. That it's not just all black and white. Yeah, it is the role they're they're providing when it comes to what's legal and what's not, but how they handle people, I think, is. Is important. So one of the things about this, though, before we get, they mm. have a good mix of personalities on the guard side as well. I mm. think, like, I mean, they're they have like, a, 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 is it Helma? Um, very unassuming and uh, softly spoken, and but you you know she'd probably kick some ass. Oh well. God! And then you've I got Selena. Very strict. Selena, yeah, Selena, whatever she's selling on buying, like she is just a brilliant person. She's and kind of the social media superstar. Yeah, she? she's become a bit like yeah. that, and and yeah. Dwayne as well, uh, and obviously. Johnny was there in the first season. He's a little bit there now. Like there, there's Santry, a, yeah. Santry, yeah. They've they've some good personalities there. They've they've been clever with who they've chosen. There's a good mix there, and all of these this team clearly love what they do. Like they they they're invested in it. They find the human inside to these individuals that we probably write off as just black and white, as you say. They're either they're a criminal or not. These guys are getting down 
getting dirty and getting getting into these personalities and trying to help them. Like you can say, you genuinely want them to succeed. You want to see them doing well and getting getting the arrest or, or mm. talking down the situation. And it's a complete, like just from a TV perspective, it was just so alien to me to see this side of that job. Like any cops I know who are just acquaintances, I had no idea what they do on a day-to-day basis. And James I just, Leonard, who's one half of the, uh, the Two Naris podcast, a guy who yeah. was headed down a path in life uh, of addiction and a lot of most, all I'd say, of his crime was addicted related. He was in and out of prison all his life. He was really on the scrap heap. And it was the interaction, and he always cites it, of a Garda who was kind to him one day when he was at his lowest ebb really? that changed his life and has <clears throat> put him on a course of, I mean, both of them are just such amazing people who are trying to reach back and give a hand up to those coming behind them into recovery and into sort of an understanding of the good life as opposed to what was their bad times. Um, but it just always think it's it's interesting to see the difference it can make sometimes just to speak to somebody mm. in a nice way and be human with them. And, you know, maybe with the guards, they are still ultimately being the ones who are sending them towards prison. But if they are just nice, the difference that they can make to somebody's life and that's what they show. Um, I certainly can't speak highly enough for this piece of television. I think it's incredible. And I hope the people who who got involved in it, all those people whose personalities we're getting to know a little bit, feel they got something out of it too. Um, because... Sometimes when the media or when television does something right, it is an extraordinary, it can make change, I think. Mm, and yeah. it can change our perspective on things and what we're... Yeah. And ultimately that's... It's the kind of the uh, antidote to the Twitter phenomenon of these simple answers, isn't it? Where somebody is tweets, we should do this yeah. about crime or we should do we that should just about... legalise drugs. Legal, or we should lock everybody up, yeah. you know, or, you know. Yeah. So it's just the antidote of... This it really shows you what the real world is like and how complicated these problems are and and you know for everybody involved. I think it's, it is really good, better than John Gilligan. I was going to say, did you watch John Gilligan Ep Two? No, no, no. You you put you? me off to be honest. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you. Didn't, you? <laughs> well, no, I haven't watched it yet. No, I no. mean I will watch it. Uh, yeah, will watch it. Um, like to compare and contrast. Yeah. As two pieces of television as coming same at the channel it. at the same time. It's yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It, 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 it is left and right. It is black. I mean, there is just such a difference between these two pieces of television. I think the, the guards as well, like it's very much part of the sort of like we've everybody's how people watch television has really changed over the last few years through streaming, really. Yeah. And that kind of fly on the wall style of where they really try and get under, you know, really try and ex- get the personality out. Like really used to that from Netflix and other other series and I think the guards is really in that vein I think the John Gilligan is really the sort of thing before that isn't yeah. it in terms of style wise you think it's old fashioned style wise well it's a bit more old fashioned is it um, well the motive is probably I just to get his there was sto- a yeah. lack of courage in how to do it in a way yeah, yeah. I think that there was a, a preempted uh, belief that this was going to cause huge controversy and that there Which was going to be criticism that they were giving this guy a platform. And yes, it did all that anyway, yeah. even though they wrapped it up as 
something slightly different than it could have been. I think it drags on. I, I've actually spoken to somebody earlier who's watched Ep 2 and they feel, I felt, felt in the first episode that they were sort of trying to make three out of what should have been one anyway. Okay. So the second one is, like, I mean, wh- where are we going with three hours of it? Three hours of it. Well, I'll watch it and many people yeah. will as well. So yeah, I suppose that's not, not to I know. be sniffed at, you um, know. Just before we finish, Jimmy Gearan uh, has come out again today and he's written to members of the Oireachtas asking them to support calls for Virgin Media to reconsider its decision to air this oh, three-part wow. series. Okay. Now, I don't think that politicians should be telling any television station what to air and what not. And Jimmy Gearan should probably be looking for support in the criticism of it. Yeah. But to actually say, pull it, I don't think... No, I mean, it's, 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 I don't think, I think it is journalistically defendable and the idea that it should be pulled, you know, mm. obviously the programs have to go out that are deeply upsetting to people, you know, but you can understand from his perspective that he's trying to maybe, if he, maybe he views this as a way in which to, 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 you know, keep it in the, the news and maybe put a bit of pressure on, but no, it's not a problem. Well, no, what he says is that, uh, the series has been most upsetting for his family and he warns the show has given Gilligan a chance to peddle his lies and tarnish Veronica's reputation and legacy. I believe it's wrong to be broadcasting the programme and to be giving the likes of a John Gilligan a hardened criminal a platform to peddle lies. And he said his family always knew Gilligan was likely to make statements and tell lies, but they never thought he'd be given the chance to speak on national television. Um, But he has been. So... And it's been made and it's already been broadcast in its beginning. I would agree with his sentiments there that I never thought that Gilligan would be given a programme to air what he has to say. But then I think in he, he's been given he's been given platforms platforms before. before. So I think in Virgin Media's defense, it's not presented in that way that this is John Gilligan telling the truth of stuff. It is presented in a different way that John here's John Gilligan telling Is there a right way to do this, John Gilligan? No, I don't think there, I don't think there is. It's 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 We spoke it, the last time we were discussing it about the kind of the uh the Louis Thoreau style, mm-hmm. which is obviously Louis Thoreau's style and is like so better. But it is the to- he is top of his game. Yeah. So is it possible to recreate that? Um, I think personally, the producers of that program could have had a better go at what they did. I don't think putting those other voices around Gilligan's worked in the way they hoped it would to um, sort of sanitize what he was saying. Well, maybe I do think it does to an extent sanitize what he's you know, to an extent it does put a context on it that isn't this this is something that should be taken at face value in what he says. Mm. I don't know if it works as a te- piece of television as a result, but I do think on a journalistic level, they do make it clear that this isn't, he isn't to be taken at his word and that he's not somebody that's a reliable witness what about to his the own book? events. I haven't uh, investigated it I've yet. I've shown it to you. Yeah, yeah. The book is basically, which it was sent in to me in the office here, obviously for review, um, the book is published by Merrion Press, Gilligan's Confession Tapes or something it's called, and big picture John Gilligan on the front of it. And when you open the book, it is the Jason O'Toole question is in, in um, bold. bold. And then John Gilligan's answers. Transcript. Transcript. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, there is a bit of context, I think, around some of the chapters, the beginning of the chapters where they're at and also the previous communication between the author and Gilligan. But that's how the book has been okay. presented, which in a way... Um, well, that really is in his own words. It really is in his own yeah. words. So It's not journalism, though, really. It's just printing off the, the transcript. Well, I mean, Jason O'Toole would say it's journalism. There's 35 hours of interviews with John Gilligan. Can you imagine listening to 35 <laughs> hours of John Gilligan? I mean, I would actually take Jonathan Dowdall over that. <laughs> would you? Uh, well, just I think say you're so. given a choice. This is like something the kids say. Just say you've got a choice. <laughs> Jonathan Dowdall or John Gilligan? Sitting oh, well, definitely John, Jonathan Dowdall is more entertaining. Yeah, uh, that's it. So that's uh, too... 100% of people say Jonathan Dowdall <laughs> of my survey. Our survey says. <laughs> um, so yeah, look, the 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 it's it's been bizarre, the Gilligan stuff, and we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, there's another two episodes. We've only really sort of seen the teaser nearly with the first. I don't first, think so. coming out to say pull it is actually a clever idea, though. It's actually giving it more headlines. It, he he kind of just... He yeah. Possibly yeah. Just I think he stayed quiet and just let it... I think Jimmy Gear is, is trying to make a point, though, and that's, mm. like, as a grieving family, he's absolutely... I think so, exactly, make yeah. his point, you know. It's just, it's, um, you know... Look, people will watch it, and yeah. maybe they'll watch the cards and make their own decision. Well, uh, if you take anybody takes my advice, Niall's advice, Dara's advice, watch the guards. The K district isn't all that bad. <laughs> yeah, the K district is great. No, massive. I love part it. Of our I'm, city. There for, I'm there for life. Yeah. All right. Well, look. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.